is Control Structure, episode 122. For uh, so two, six, seven, for two, seven, 2017. Big week to everyone listening. This show has notes. Visit thenexus.tv slash cs122 to see them. I am your host, Stephen Orvis, and with me is the other host, Andrew Bailey. Wait a second. This is Monday. It is Monday. We're recording on a Monday. We are. But you can post it a day later just just to make it the same so no one gets confused, throws their weeks off, you know? Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, this is going to throw my week off because we usually do this on Tuesday. It will. But, you know, things change. Yep. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you may have missed us last week, or last week, last two weeks, last fortnight ago. Last fortnight, okay. Because um, uh, we had a whole bunch of friends over, and I uh, grilled up a lot of stuff, and we pretty much sat around and complained about uh, whether or not uh, people actually expected the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, whether the Spanish Inquisition expected the Spanish Inquisition, because no one expects them. Like, seriously, they burst in the door, and behind them, they burst in the door again. They would not expect that. That, and uh, they were totally clumsy, so maybe they didn't expect themselves, so... Yeah. Um, let's see, then we also discussed uh, Borderlands 2 for a little bit. Um, let's see, what else did we talk about uh, when we got together? I think we talked about the food and grilling, and uh, didn't, didn't you, was that the time you were telling us the story about your grill catching on fire? No, that was the time before. Maybe. When your grill overheated and burnt your, yeah, that was the time before, yeah. Yeah. It didn't actually burn any food, it just made everything black. It just made everything really black. Or at least the dishes black. Yes. So. Yeah, it was the time before, I do remember that now. So, um, yeah, that was fun, and, uh, yeah, uh, it was, uh, nice to have everyone over, and I thought that, uh, get-together was amazing, and we should probably do it again. It was fun. We should, we should do it again. Uh, maybe do a cooking show or something. We can, uh, we ha- do have the April 1st coming up quite soon here. Yes. So we can and, do our second cooking show. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure when exactly it will fall on, you know... A podcast day but um yeah cool so uh oh uh let's see it was uh, last thursday morning like at 2 a.m uh i puked so that day was totally gone for me you know just called off work and everything okay you know so uh aside from that i've been do- feeling better since then it's good to hear. So, uh, I mean, like, I actually went to work the next day, so. Um, let's see. Then I've got back into playing Fallout 4 again. Uh, I've been doing the survival mode on that, which requires you to eat, drink, and sleep regularly. Uh, so it's lifelike. And uh, it also adds diseases that you uh, need to manage, uh, or at least you can catch them. But they always seem to inevitably uh, get you after uh, a while. So, uh, also it removes fast traveling, so you have to, like, walk there, (laughs) wherever there is. Um, uh, Also, uh, everything's, like, more lethal. So enemies are more lethal, but you are more lethal, too. Oh, 
that's not too bad, I guess. Yeah. Um, the downside of that is, like, uh, to, like, the amount of time it takes to restore health is, like, insane. It's, like, really stretched out. It takes, like, ten times longer to heal yourself. Lucky for you, it took a long time to walk where you're going, so you have time to heal. Yeah. But you do not heal automatically. So. Okay. But because you have to eat and drink anyway, like, that gives you health back, so, you know. Okay. It, it works out. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was, like, really daunting, but after a few hours, I kind of got used to it. But everything is progressing really slow. So, oh well. Uh, oh yeah, and then there's the Super Bowl. Uh, I saw the first half, and then didn't see anything else. And at least one person at my office hates football. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw the second half, and games are best when they're, they're... Closer into the second half was the more exciting part when they, you know, have overtime and all of that. So that was interesting. Uh, anything exciting happen with you recently? Well, I, I showed you my P38 I printed, right? P38, which, what was that again? Uh, let me, I feel like I may have showed it. Let me pull it up here, 3D Lab Print... This isn't my P38, but, like, one like it. I, th- I think I may have showed it to you. Um, maybe? Okay. Well, anyways, I, I printed one a while back, and I've been in the process of assembling it uh, through time. And the other day, it had its first crash. <laughs> so I had it hanging up in my bedroom above my computer, and by... <laughs> You know those hooks, the command, I think it's command strip hooks or something like that that you get from Walmart? Yeah. Anyways, I had them stuck to my ceiling, one up the front and two for the towel. Well, I came in and it was laying down in front of my desk. So apparently the top one broke and popped off the wall, the ceiling rather, and then the two back ones did, and then it flew over my monitors <laughs> because it didn't hit them. Like You could tell that they weren't like knocked over. So it wasn't they, straight down. Yeah, it wasn't. See, if it fell straight down, that would have hit my monitors, but it from what it looks like, it looks like it flew past my monitors and then it cracked the, the bottom of the nose some, but it's super glued back together and it's <laughs> fine now. So yeah, that was that was exciting. But I have, uh, I've installed one of the flaps and just the front uh, landing gear retracts, but no actual wheel on it. So it's, it's, it's happening, just slowly. Uh, that's probably my most exciting thing. Unless you count the deer I saw tonight when I checked my traps. I I jumped it, and it ran off, and that was that. It wasn't deer season, so I didn't shoot it. Aww. I know. Missed that one. So, um, hey, you use Google Voice. I do use Google Voice. So, uh, like, how does that exactly work? You know, Google gives you a phone number, right? Yes, they give you a phone number, and then uh, you associate that phone number with at least one phone, and you can set up to forward uh, phone calls or texts or voicemails to that other phone. If you have more than one phone, like me currently, <laughs> you can actually have it forward to even more phones if you wanted to. Uh, you can have cool stuff like blocking people. So if someone keeps annoying you, you can just block them. Now they get that, D D D. well, we're sorry. This number cannot be reached or whatever the message is. Uh, so yeah, pretty neat. So um, it looks like Google is changing a few things things that's not normally a good thing with google (laughs) they're they're deprecating it yes but it looks like they're switching around a few things and uh uh after a few years of like 
not really doing anything with it. They seem to be doing something with it. So, here's my question. I looked at the page with all the different things you can do now. The only feature I got was... Okay, two features. A, a new pretty UI that can do the same things you could do before. And B, now text and voicemails are going to show up in a different tab. That's what I gathered. From what I did... Yes, that's exactly what I did too. The UI used to be green and now it's white. One CSS changed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it was a bit more than that, but that's what it feels like. I, to be fair, though, I do notice in the style, uh, I see them syncing it up style-wise with the Inbox app. And, I, so I th- and think, Hangouts. Uh, well, I think this is replacing Hangouts, isn't it? Uh, not for Google Voice. Not for Google Voice? Because you can access your texts and voicemail and everything from within the Hangouts app. So I was assuming this was a, a replacement for that. Maybe not. Because there is a Google Voice app that looks really lame that doesn't really do anything. So maybe that's what this replaces. So who knows? I don't know. Anyways, just don't touch Hangouts and don't touch my Google, free my free phone number. Don't touch my free phone number. Yeah, it's you're, you're just lost in the Googleplex somewhere. Just someplace in the Google Plus. Yep. So, um, you know how the uh, saying goes, like, all the old folks don't know how to use computers, but pretty much every every young person, every kid knows how to use computers, and they're so amazing and can do so many things. I know that is a very, very common misconception that I hear many people uh, speak about how their grandkids are so smart and such whizzes. Yeah. Um, turns out, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that we've known for a while. Um, so uh, I came across this article, and I'm like, yeah, that I can see all of this happening. The, the, it's spot on. Like, he has a lot of different interesting stories, and it reminded me of a story of my own that I had. I worked in the tech services at college, and we fixed computer uh, computers that students had, and... A student came in one time, and they had, like, viruses and all kinds of nasty stuff. And I was cleaning it up. I'm like, well, wh- why do you use IE anyways? And they're like, well, it's just easier to use because it's right there. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, she points to the taskbar, and she's you know, you just click it, and it's, like, just they're ready to use. And, and, it's, and it's, like, versus going to the desktop and having to click on it on your desktop. And so I'm like, so let me get this straight. If I put the icon for Chrome on your taskbar, you would use it. Or, I didn't say taskbar, probably right. pointed. Uh, anyways, and she's like, oh, yeah. So I, I, I move my mouse over and click, and I hold, and I drag, and I drop it. And she's just like, oh. <laughs> 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 it was it was rather funny. But uh, that, that feeling, though, of what people have, I've seen that in people sometimes... Their, their their favorite go to is I'm technical uh, technology illiterate. They or just technically challenged. Technically challenged. They like to just throw that out without even trying. And since they don't try, they don't ever succeed. Whereas people actually could succeed. I mean, seriously, you can drag an icon to your taskbar. Like if you Google that, you could have found a YouTube video on how to do that. Uh, but people just don't want to put in the effort to try. Uh, we sh- we should read some of these ones because they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, a sixth former. I I'm not sure what that means. A sixth former brings me his laptop, explaining that it is running very slowly and keeps shutting down. 
The laptop is literally screaming. The processor fans are running at full whack and the case is uncomfortably hot to touch. I run Task Manager to see what the CPU is doing 100% of the time, despite the only application open being uTorrent, which incidentally had about 200 torrents actively seeding. I look at what processes are running, and there are a lot of them hogging the CPU and RAM. What's more is I can't terminate a single one. What antivirus are you running? I ask, only to be told that he didn't like using antivirus because he heard it slowed his computer down. I hand back the laptop and tell him he's infected. He asks (laughs) what he needs to do, and I suggest that he reinstalled Windows. He looks at me blankly. He can't use a computer. (laughs) Well... You know, if you don't use an antivirus, you're going to be slowed down anyway. Quite possibly. More even. Uh, Let's see. A teacher brings me her brand new iPhone, the previous one having been destroyed. She's lost all of her contacts and is very upset. I asked that if she'd plugged her old iPhone into her computer at any time, but she can't remember. I ask her to bring in her phone uh, and her laptop. When she brings them in the next day, I restore the phone from the backup that resides on her laptop. She has all of her contacts back and her photos, too. She's happy, but she can't use a computer. (laughs) Uh, A teacher brings me her school laptop. Bloody thing won't connect to the internet, she says angrily, as if it were my fault. I had tons of work to do last night, but I couldn't get online at all. My husband even tried, and he couldn't figure it out, and he's excellent with computers. I take the offending laptop from her hands, toggle the wireless switch that resides on the side, and hands it back to her. Neither her nor her husband can use computers. So I, I liked his uh, his his reaction he uses when people tell him sometimes that the internet, quote, is not working. He says he pulls out his mobile phone, gives it a couple of taps, puts it to his ear, and says, Yes, give me the office of the President of the United States. No, I will not hold. This is an emergency. Hello, Mr. President. I'm afraid I have some bad news. I've just been informed that the internet is not working. (laughs) Now we're going to get you your internet. It's going to be the best internet. The best. Okay. In the fringe, we have a video we should watch about the internet, if you haven't seen it before. Uh, Let's see. A kid puts his hands up. He tells me he's got a virus on the computer. I look at his screen. Displayed in his web browser is what appears to be an XP dialog box warning that his computer is infected and is offering a free malware scanning and removal tool. He's on a Windows 7 machine. (laughs) I close the offending tab. He can't use a computer. So uh, it goes on to, you know, the author goes on to suggest a few fixes for this, you know, uh, since he works in a school, if you haven't already noticed already. You know, has a few things about what the school, uh, like the school board itself can do, what teachers can do, what parents can do. And I really liked the uh, the one suggestion here that I uh, pulled out. Uh, when they hit 11, give them a plain text file <laughs> with 10,000 keys and tell them that the real one is in there somewhere uh, for uh, WPA2 keys mm-hmm. for Wi-Fi. Uh, Tell them that the real one is in there somewhere. See how quickly they discover Python or Bash. I I bet that would help them. The other one that I I thought was an interesting idea, I'm not sure how it would pan out, but he talked of giving more rights on computers rather than just locking them out and saying, nope, you're not allowed to use that because we can't trust you. Instead saying, hey, 
you can use it and mess it up, but try it. I don't know how I feel about it, yeah. but from the perspective of the student in college or someplace needing to change the one stupid setting and being locked out, it would be nice sometimes. Sometimes, but... You know, then again, that's pretty much inviting 4chan into everything. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and suddenly there's chaos and anarchy, and everyone's personal information is in Russia. So I think maybe the answer to that is, uh, I forget what they're called, but the when you have the images where it like re-image on each boot, yeah. so it just everything goes away, then you could give more permissions, and then just when you're done with your session, just reboot it, and voila, brand new machine for you to mess up. So, uh, speaking of... Uh, so at my college, the, uh, so the school issued, uh, ThinkPads to everyone. Uh, so like, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been to a, like a conference or somewhere, but everyone has like MacBooks and stuff. And like, I, I'll have to pull it up that, uh, like it shows a picture of, you know, a, a audience presumably at a tech conference mm -hmm. and all of them have their MacBooks open. Like, you can see these little glowing uh -huh. apples everywhere. And uh, it was kind of like that at my school, except it was just pure black laptops. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was a different kind of cult. Because everyone have it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, because of, you know, everyone had more or less one of about five models of laptop. Ooh, Ubuntu is mad. Yes. So, because of, you know... Everyone has one of five laptops. It means that the school had like uh, images for each of them. So the default thing for you know each uh, problem was to re-image because that's the fastest thing you can do. So uh, I was not there to personally witness it, but one of the instructors is like, "Yep, yeah, you know, apparently he his uh, mouse wasn't you know going around or anything." Uh -huh. It's like, ah. Uh, Oh, I guess I'll have to get a re-image. He picks up his laptop and his hard drive falls out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that could do it. I don't have neighbors. I do not. Okay. Well, thank you for not yelling. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, the Raspberry Pi Compute Module, the little confusing thing that goes into like a DDR2 laptop memory slot, but somehow it's not memory, but it's a, you know, Raspberry Pi. Uh, this has been upgraded to Raspberry Pi 3 specs. Uh, so it has, you know, the quad-core 1 gigahertz thing, the, you know, like 64-bit capability and stuff. Uh, so, you know, that's been upgraded. Uh, so, yeah, keep on getting better. Uh, Just have to find a way to use these things. Yeah, um, apparently uh, NEC is using these for, uh, like, essentially smart TVs, it looks mm. like. 
So that's a good application for it, because then the advantage is if it goes bad, it's really easy to change. Yeah. But it's a really capable and open source product, so anyone can hack it, and it's really usable. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's pretty neat. So, not to be left behind, Asus has released the lots of random alphanumerics. I was waiting for you to read that. Uh, 90MB0QY1-M0EAY0 Tinkerboard. Can you imagine that in the commercial? And get your 90MB0QY1MEAYO0 today! (laughs) Seriously, how does Asus come up with these model numbers? I mean, it's like they put, like, a lot of, you know, keyboard keys into a hat, mix them up, and then pull them. Well, as I alluded to at the beginning in the fringe area, is I think it's just half a gooey <laughs> chopped off. They're like, so, what should we name it? I know. <laughs> name done. <laughs> because, like, all these model numbers are so obscure, and you can't really tell what in the world they do. Uh, this tinkerboard is uh, essentially a souped-up Raspberry Pi in the exact same form factor. Which I thought was clever because that means all these cases yeah. and everything it becomes a drop and drop and replacement for it. So uh, let's see. It includes you know like a faster processor, uh, a Mali T seven sixty four GPU, uh, two gigs of DDR three, uh, ARM Cortex A seventeen CPU at one point eight gigahertz. Um, let's see, support for H.265 4K decoding. Um, it's only 32-bit, though, so if I wanted to hack it and put in a really, really, really lot of RAM, you're out of luck. Uh, other niceties include Gigabit Ethernet and built-in 802.11 BGN Wi-Fi. So, yeah. <laughs> so is this board, I'm guessing, is probably not open, though, like the Raspberry Pi is. Uh, maybe not. Uh, another thing is that it apparently is only being released in Britain for now. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing because like the Raspberry Pi is actually a British thing. That's, like, that's what I wonder is like you release it on their home turf. Yeah. Like, are you like out to pick on someone, Asus? That's like very intentional. Are they even a British company? Asus? Yeah. No, they're Taiwanese. Taiwanese. Okay, so that's... that's, Unless, is Britain maybe a really big IoT market or something? Because my perceptive would have been that, you know, America tends to be big on these things, but Britain has been making the pies. Yeah. Not unless they're making them there or something, and that's what manufacturing is. No. But, yeah, very interesting. But, uh... Let's let's not beat up on Asus. Let's beat up on Samsung in their phones that are really grenades. Sounds good. <laughs> so so the Galaxy Note Seven, uh, you know, was released back in like I don't know September or October or something, and suddenly they started to catch fire, like at random places, uh, like on airplanes. <laughs> at least one, I think. That's not so good on an airplane. So, um, yeah, so there was a huge recall. So, you know, people started returning their phones and then getting back the replacements. 
And those had the same problem, too. (laughs) (laughs) My first one caught on fire, and my second one. (laughs) So now everyone's like, okay, yeah, return all of these, and uh, if you don't, uh, your local wireless carrier is going to make your life miserable. Um, So, let's see, I think, like, AT&T and T-Mobile and stuff have... Like, actively refused connections from these phones. I heard they, they pushed an update that bricked them from charging. Yeah. They went so far as to disconnect them? Or no, no, it was uh, disabled charging. That's okay. what it was. See, see, the disabled charging, at least that means now you can't burn it up, but... Well, maybe. But, like, it's essentially a literal brick at that point, so... Uh, Still have nine hours left. <laughs> so, uh, and then Verizon is rerouting all calls made from these phones to customer service. Presumably they'll say, get a new phone, dummy. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh... So, so, why is it maybe people just don't want to be bothered with changing it, but this is big news and they've pushed up the... Why would people still have them? Are they charging money to swap them in? Uh, apparently not. So... Yeah, because they, they should fix them since they messed up. Well, they tried fixing them, and that didn't work, so they're just, like, returning all of them. Uh-huh. So, Samsung has released a helpful graphic, uh, helpful infographic, uh, to explain what in the world went wrong. And essentially, you know, it's, uh, like, one of the corners were bent too much that the internal electrodes touched. And that's what, you know, caused uh, one problem. Uh, and then another one is, uh, like... A, uh, was it, uh, result in penetration of insulation tape. Uh, so, like, you know, there wasn't proper proper insulation inside the inside another one of the batteries either. So, uh... That's nice that they show that they did all the research and found out what's wrong, and they're sharing with people, uh, that, hey, we, we actually did figure out what <laughs> they're burning. Not just, oh, we just returned them all and never figured it out. So, uh... The Hacker News thread about this uh, has someone who claims to, you know, actually be knowledgeable in the industry and says that, yeah, if I knew this, it would take 20 minutes to reconfigure the battery manufacturing lines and, like, this problem would be solved in, like, 20 minutes. But probably the problem is they made all the batteries already. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... You know, he he praises Samsung's openness about this. Uh, and then he, you know, goes in, into saying that, you know, knowledge, you know, like info like this getting out is pretty rare. If anyone doubts this, try getting information on the closest battery fab near you. You can try to find what batteries they produce, but chances are it's not public. You can try to find their name or if they still exist, uh, but that's probably also not public. You might find an address, and you might go there, but when you arrive, you'll be forcibly removed from the area by armed security and or police. (laughs) To give an example, there are a couple debates in the industry about what company acquired another. It's years after the supposed acquisition, and nobody knows anything. (laughs) (laughs) Not even the government. (laughs) So yeah, first of all, deflected electrodes, insufficient insulation tape, and high welding burrs are absolute fine explanation for what happened here. As someone who works with batteries, that would tell me everything I needed to know. If I was running a battery fab, I'd be able to check for these problems in 20 minutes. So yeah... Uh, good on them, I guess. Uh, but 
Also, uh, I guess feel free to buy any one of literally hundreds of other Samsung phones. I mean, you know, if you think, you know, Samsung has a lot of phones, uh, please consider South Korea uh, and its economy. Uh, Samsung is about half of that. <laughs> you know, there's LG is about half of what's left. <laughs> Those do seem to be the major ones. You know, Samsung is, you know, granted, you know, involved in lots of electronics, but they're also, like, in heavy industry and, like, manu- like you know, manufacturing large machinery and stuff. So, but, yeah. Anyways, let's go on to uh, PCs uh, from phones. Uh, so, have you ever built a PC yourself? I have. My, uh, way back when, when I was in college, I got free F3 bit case and power supply. I held on to the parts for years and years and years, and then finally I had enough money when I had a job. So I built one. So, um, a, you know, I've built several machines myself, and I have rebuilt several machines. And uh, it seems like the do-it-yourself PC uh, component market is booming. You know, you know. Granted, you know the, the sales of pre-manufactured PCs are down, and I think they hit the lowest in like a decade or something. Interesting. Uh, but you know, uh, apparently the individual component sales are up, driven mostly by PC gaming. See, if I was buying my parents a computer, I would get something pre-built for them just to not have the mess and you can normally get a good deal but it's true if i'm buying something for myself i do want to buy the parts i want plus i probably have parts laying around that i can reuse and so it's like well i don't need a whole nother one of it i just need a couple key parts yeah so uh that's probably what i'll be doing with uh, uh ryzen when it comes out i uh, will probably just you know replace my motherboard, CPU, and uh, RAM, and uh, probably my GPU as well. If not then, then soon after, uh, maybe uh, with uh, AMD Vega. But uh, yeah, apparently uh, the uh, John Petty research here drops in saying, you know, it's like, you know, with uh, all the components and stuff, how thriving a market is, and, uh, you know, with AMD, you know, coming out with new CPUs, it's going to get a little interesting. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, great news for a, you know, industry that is supposedly dying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, interesting that you said you'd uh, go the pre-built route for your, you know, say, you know, your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of strange because pretty much what's left of my PC that I built in 2008 my mom and dad have so you know it's you know essentially you know what i had left over and stuff and i put linux on it so like i think that's more the deciding factor than anything else if you already have something laying around that works good and really my parents are getting to a point where i don't even think they're probably ever buy another desktop like i think if they buy another computer when they do it would be a laptop because they have one now, and they just kind of use that all the time. Hmm. So I don't really... Well, except for the, the TV computer, for that one, we maybe someday. Yeah. But... You know, at this point, I don't think my parents will need another machine unless, like, it breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if then, like, maybe replace a part and keep going. Yes. Because um, I don't exactly 
think that the requirements for web browsing, email, and YouTube and Solitaire are going to increase anytime soon. Probably not. At least not dramatically. Not dramatically, <laughs> yes. So, and the way things are going with the pies and stuff, even like the TV computer, a couple more iterations and the pie is going, I mean, it already is, but I think maybe a little more refinement and it's going to be at a level where the pies can do so much just for normal, even your solitary, like it can pretty much handle that stuff without any problem. So, um, let's move on and talk about Firefox for a little bit. Uh, Firefox version 51 got released. And uh, the big feature is WebGL2 support. So this is an improvement on the 3D graphics API uh, for JavaScript. So And we uh, tried that out a little bit ago. And uh, yeah, it looks pretty. At least it has a capability of looking pretty. It does. Uh, another thing is they added support for FLAC playback. So the uh, free lossless audio stuff which is uh, my favorite uh, audio format. Surprised they didn't already have that. So uh, they pretty much had, I think it was Og Vorbis. Okay. And I think they might actually have Opus in there as well. So that's like the next generation smaller codec and stuff. Um, and of course, they uh, you know made electrolysis a little bit faster. Uh, another feature is that uh, on... Uh, pages that have password fields that are not uh, HTTPS, there will be a warning for that. Uh, so this is, I guess, part of a larger thing uh, in partner with Google, because Chrome does that too now. That's a good thing, because that or get users start asking the question of, well, why am I putting my information in here? You know, I guess everyone is starting to, you know, has understood that, you know, if you ask for a password, people will give you their one password they use for everything. <laughs> That's about how that works. So, yeah. Uh, according to Mozilla, more than 50% of all web requests are secured. Uh, the number of sites supporting HTTPS uh, keeps doubling every year as well. So, you know, this is you know kind of a testament to how skewed the web is. So... You know, mostly it's, you know, Google, Facebook, and like a few other handful of companies dominate most of the traffic on the internet. So that would be why the requests can be so high. Yeah, that's that's why more requests are secured. Yes. Uh, but, you know, the number of domains actually secured is, you know, not as great. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I was ahead of the curve on this one. So, uh Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about Linux for a moment. Uh, Arch Linux. Uh, I've never really, uh, uh, played around much with this. Uh, it, back in college, it seemed to be the, uh, I guess the hipster Linux distribution. Uh, like I tried it once, tried to install it, and then I cried and ran away. Because it was, like, way more complex than it needed to be, I thought, like. See, Arch Linux, Linux, Arch Linux must have been so far out of the way that I never really even... I don't think I even saw it in general when I was Googling around. Like, I've heard the name floated around, but it must be so oddball. Yeah, it is it is a distribution that runs uh, continuous releases. So, like, whenever a new package gets released, like, I guess they might test it for, like, a day or two and then, like, push it out for everyone. 
So like, mass- oh, so let's do the nightly builds. Kind of. So wow. so like, uh, you know, whenever uh, you know new stuff gets pushed out, like like a whole lot of stuff might break at once. <laughs> so <laughs> that could be the negative. That's the like with Cura, my slicer program I use. If I use the Ubuntu version, it's like a couple years old and not near as good. If I use the nightly build, it breaks fairly often. If I use the weekly build, it breaks every now and again. When it's still, that's the annoyance of the fresh as it breaks. So uh, the 32-bit uh, x86 build, uh, I think they call it the i686, uh, is decreasing in popularity uh, such that they have decided to phase out supporting this. So this is like the not 64-bit you know, PCs. Yeah. So pretty much nowadays, I think most computers out there support 64, so it's not really you know, so unless, much the latest and greatest anymore. Unless you're using the, like, $5 Intel CPU. Or you're using the the uh, Asus <laughs> Raspberry Pi knockoff. Well, talking about, like, x86 anyways, you know, if you, if you have a decent CPU from the past 10 years... Mm-hmm you have support for 64-bit. And, like, especially in open-source stuff that, you know, you can just build things from source for whatever you need it to be. Uh, So, uh, yeah. I don't exactly blame them, and Arch is kind of a more cutting-edge kind of distro uh, anyway. That makes sense. If If that's what they're doing, is pulling the latest packages from every place, then, I mean... A user that wants that is not going to be running 32-bit unless they, like, have to. So, and this kind of got me thinking about, you know, how long will the 32-bit-only builds of operating systems stick around? Um, Let's see, I think it was Windows Server 2008 was the last Windows Server OS that supported 32-bit-only. To never 32-bit? It had a 64-bit version and a 32-bit version, but it was the last one with a 32-bit only. Well, 10 is technically the last operating system that Windows is going to release, is what they said. Yeah. Technically. So, like, I'm wondering, like, you know, is this the last, you know, was Windows 10 the last 32-bit, you know, Windows ever? The answer is yes. Well, I mean... (laughs) It is the last Windows ever. I mean, we are talking about a corporation that, you know, wants money, so... You know, I would be highly surprised if we never saw another Windows ever again. See, I, I don't get that. I still am not convinced that we understand what the deal is with Windows 10. I feel like there's some money child there that's not really understood just yet. Yeah. So uh, we will be maybe touching on that in a little bit. Uh, and uh, I think that Apple phased out support for 32-bit, I don't know, like two or three years ago. I think it's slightly easier for them since they're controlling the hardware, so they can be like have it in the pipeline from years and years and years yeah. back, and like, oh look, guys, sorry. Which uh, you know, to them was like a handful of systems released back in two thousand six. You know, before everything switched over to Core two, mm. um, and then as for Debian, Debian supports like the Motorola fifty six thousand architecture from like the nineteen eighties. They will support 32-bit x86 
for like 50 years at least. Which fits the <laughs> philosophy I've seen in their packages, that they don't always have the latest and greatest. But they do have something. Yeah. I actually like the new Unity. Uh, not Unity, that's the wrong one. Gnome. The new Gnome in uh -huh. Ubuntu. I, every time I go back to Unity, I like. I don't like Unity anymore. Like I used to like Unity, but now I like the Gnome way better. Just like with is, the dual monitors. This is Unity here. Yeah, okay. So, but uh, on your desktop. On, on my, yeah, on my desktop. I because I could sign into this. The thing I like the best about it is it works really good with the dual monitor setup because any corner of any window you can just push your mouse up in the upper left hand corner and it pops the window up, hmm. so you don't have to go hit the keyboard and find your Windows key or anything. And then also too, it seemed to be good at docking windows like middle middle of the screen, uh, in your yeah, kind of like that. You can oh look, see Windows ten apparently can do that now. I think seven had issues with doing that. Yeah, it was kind of limited from what I remember. But to be fair, that was a long time ago. Long time ago, it was like a year ago. I had Windows seven. Well, when Windows seven was released, <laughs> and it still looks exactly as pretty as it did back then. Windows 7 does look just as pretty as when it was released back then. Yes. <laughs> so does so. Vista. I remember how excited I was about Vista. Like, I thought that was going to be the greatest thing ever. You know, Longhorn has got a cool name and everything. <laughs> it's got the Windows speech recognition in it that no one has ever used ever since. <laughs> I, it was, I played a lot with that, too, when it first came out. Like, that was pretty neat, the speech yeah. recognition was. Yeah, like... Uh... I remember downloading the release candidate, uh -huh. but not doing anything with it. Uh, see, I couldn't download it because dial-up dial -up, and, yeah. well, it was a bit big. It was, it was like one of the first big things that I downloaded on cable internet. Oh, cable. So, so then, uh, like, one of my friends was asking, so how is it? How is it? And then I remembered that... Uh, this was, you know, this was one of the guys that I had taken a programming class with and, uh, the teacher for that, you know, gave us a few, uh, Linux distributions uh -huh. on disks and stuff. And, you know, I had tried out Ubuntu and, you know, I was using it, you know, like on an experimental basis, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't touch it at all. You know, this, you know, uh, it was actually a, like a family of two guys. And like, I don't think any of them touched either of these disks, uh, like, it was Ubuntu and, I think, Mandrake. Okay. This was back when it was actually called Mandrake. It's not called that anymore. See, I haven't even heard anything about that for a long time. I don't even know what the current name is. I think it's, like, be. Mandriva or Mandriva. something. Mandriva, okay. I haven't heard of Mandrake for many years. Yeah. So, uh, and, like, I... And then I'm like, hmm, well, I have Vista like you have Ubuntu. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't have Ubuntu. He's like, um, yeah, remember those discs? The ones you never used? Yeah, that's what my Vista disc is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not being used. Yep. So, See, I bought the Vista release candidate disc from Microsoft for like 5 or $7. Like, huh. There's like shipping costs and maybe printing the disc cost. Can you speak into the Microsoft? I, I said I bought the Vista disc. It was probably like a shipping cost plus that, maybe the making it cost. It was under $20, so it wasn't bad. Yeah. But it, it, I had fun playing with it. Like, I actually used it. So, like, I remember it coming out and, like, everyone immediately hated it. But it was a few months later. I put it on, you know, my dual-core 64-bit laptop using the 64-bit edition 
and it was amazing. See, really the biggest complaint I remember hearing when it came out was drivers. Yeah. There weren't any printer drivers. Yes. There was like nothing out there to use. If they had just given the driver manufacturers a little more time to build stuff, they would have been fine and everyone would have loved it. Yeah. Um, and that was like a few years after I started hating printers. So, like, I didn't really care about printers at that point. So, like, it was fine. It crashed. It didn't blue screen once. You know, XP did every so often. Vista did not on that laptop. It was great. But when I built, like, that 2008 PC, put Vista on it, I think it was the NVIDIA drivers that crashed every so often. Ah. So, but then, I guess with 7, they finally got their act together or something. So, anyways, let's talk about Google again. So, uh, uh, remember AMP, the accelerated mobile pages that pretty much ripped out all the HTML tags and replaced them with, like, you know, proprietary alternatives and, like, required you to, you know, you know, include this one JavaScript that would, you know, kind of take care of everything. Was that simplifying and making, like, smaller or something we talked about? That was the idea. Okay. So, uh, one of the things about this is that it is apparently become like incredibly popular because google will promote pages that support amp oh uh but one of the things that have bothered people is that it obscures the original uh url of the source material so uh, apparently google has pushed through an update ironically on ios first and will be rolling out on android soon so, you know, this will at least expose the original URL to, like, you know, share out on, like, Twitter or something. So, uh, let's talk about some old news. Uh, so... Have you ever used YouTube in Chrome, or Chromium as it may be, and open a video on another tab and notice that the video doesn't start playing until you go to that tab? Yes, YouTube, those resource hoarders <laughs> won't play my videos! <laughs> so, uh, I've noticed this happening in Chrome, but not on Firefox. I'm not sure what's up with that. Uh, but the uh, functionality behind this is called the Page Visibility API. And, you know, what it essentially does is it exposes a variable on the document, uh, I guess, object uh, called visibility state, uh, or hidden. So, like, these two things... Or, wait, they have two properties that yeah. do the same so, thing. Well, hidden is just true if it's uh, considered oh, hidden to the user. Okay. A visibility state goes into a little bit more detail of whether it's visible, hidden, if it's being pre-rendered, or if it's being unloaded. I see. I thought that was one that maybe did multiple ones. So that's not an event? That feels like that should be more of an event than visibility state. Uh, there is an uh, event oh, there go. called visibility change. Nice. So, uh, yeah, you can use this to, uh, you know, uh, you know, have your web application not process things when no one's looking at it or to have it process things when nobody's looking that at it. That way they don't catch you. <laughs> it's like Bitcoin mining spikes the CPU, they switch you tap. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> it's all cool, man. 
so uh, I was thinking that this might be useful t- for tea time. You know, my little, uh, uh, like, kind of scheduler app yes. for uh, the tea. So, you know, I was thinking that, you know, I'm not sure if the event fires when, like, you're not looking at it. But, you know, with this, I can say, you know, oh, it's not in here, you know, like, cancel this, you know, automatic refresh event. Then when yeah. the, and then when it flips back, you know, do a refresh then, and then, you know, set the timer again. Because there's, like, no point in yeah. loading it lots of times. Yeah. So, that's great. So, let's try, let's uh, have some appreciate. So, have you ever noticed that when you press uh, some keys on your keyboard at once, that they won't all... W- that they will not all be picked up? Yes, but I think that was because we had hot cocoa spilled on the keyboard. <laughs> well, there might be a technical reason for it uh, called ghosting. Uh, that's That happens when you like press like three keys and another fourth one shows up somewhere. Uh, another one is uh, in-key rollover. Uh, so some keyboards have it, uh, most don't. So, uh, like, let me have a demonstration here like uh like the microsoft you know research has you know like really cool experiments sometimes so you know i'm pressing a lot more keys than those and it only sees those yeah so usb as a standard only provides uh for like six key presses plus four modifying keys like shift control and alt so if you press shift right now see it picks up those yeah see somehow alts is not on this screen for some reason so yeah but my keyboard has n key rollover it it's like more of a thing that can be activated and uh uh as a side note uh i have my dos keyboard for ultimate it is a completely blank keyboard uh i've been using this particular one for like two or three years uh i finally bought one for work and like People look at me like I'm crazy. It's like, what? I know how to type. <laughs> I can touch type. I can actually touch type. <laughs> so, uh, and for the record, shift, mute. And you can see it blinking there. Uh-huh. So, watch this. Wow, that's the shape of your hand. Yes, like, vaguely. <laughs> so te- technology-wise, now you can take a 3D or 2D picture of your cat sleeping at your keyboard <laughs> from the keyboard's perspective from the keyboard's perspective so from a technical technology standpoint how is that in key roll- rollover working so that the usb can do more is it a different protocol i'm not sure uh this uh requires no drivers uh like i know that a lot of them lot a lot of keyboards work around this problem by like having the keyboard pose as multiple uh, USB devices to get around this, uh, but you know this one does not. And uh, let me open up the hardware manager. But uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how DOS keyboard does this. Device manager. The other question is, what's the advantage of having it turned off? Um, I'm not sure what the advantages of it having turned off. But like, if you're playing games and stuff. You know, there is a very real possibility that you may be pressing more than six keys at once. Yeah. So there's an advantage that have been turned on. Yes. It's interesting that they have that, that, that toggle there unless there's some operating systems that don't support it or something. Or maybe if you're using a PS2 
to a USB to PS2 adapter, I bet you'd want it turned off in that case. Um, see, the thing about PS the PS2 interface is that it survives solely because it supports N key rollover natively. Okay. okay, so it actually is better than a USB in that specific case. I I thought it just survived because well. People have had them for years. And, and there's know, old like, per, per, old peripherals. I mean, I love this mouse. I've had this mouse since since, since the 90s. Time, time immemorial. Like, like, literally, I got that for my birthday, my first birthday, <laughs> and I am never getting rid of this mouse. I love that trackball. Get the lint out every time. Oh. Rubbing alcohol in the, the, the ball is just memories. Yep. So, uh, another thing that I want to appreciate is O&O Shut Up 10. So what this does is that it disables telemetry and other spying that happens on Windows 10. We've mentioned this before, right? Uh, the spying under 10, yes. So this is a little program that, you know, instead of that one huge script that I uh, brought up the other time, this, you know, has a nice GUI that with a lot of switches. It's nice. It's actually easy to use, it looks like. Yes, and, like, it it will create a restore point for you automatically, if you so wish. Uh, so, you know, it's a nice little GUI, you know, with, you know, even... It even has descriptions for each of these. Which you need lots of times for these settings like this to understand what they do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... It does... It is... A program that you do not install is just a you know straight up executable. Um, so the downside is that you uh, probably with all these little apps or however, however you do it, is that you may need to run them every time after a Windows update. So, so does this have any like import export settings? Uh, I don't think so. Well, yeah. Ah, oh, it look, does. So that's all you need then. Just export your settings, and after each Windows update, run it. You just have, like, a script that runs every boot or something. So, yeah. So I, I disabled all the Windows uh, security uh, and the privacy features by reinstalling Ubuntu. You want to close? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Very nice. So that, that is a nice tool. Yes. Uh, so, um, if you would like to submit feedback to uh, Control Structure, you can do so. Uh on the nexus.tv and if you are looking at our show notes you can do so right there on that page and uh, that'll come right to us uh, well honestly to be specific it will go to our spam folders hey, I noticed that it does go to our spam folders <laughs> so um, yeah gonna be better than that and uh, don't forget that today is international backup awareness day so back up all your stuff and uh Oh, one thing I'd forgot that Backblaze uh, released some more hard drive stats. Really? Yeah. So uh, it's. I thought it was kind of boring. So you know, it's basically more of the same. I think they got rid of a few more hard drives because they're getting the bigger uh, eight terabyte ones, and I think they're experimenting with the ten terabyte ones. Oh as wow! Well. So getting up there. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be talking about the pentabytes. <laughs> petabytes. It's petabytes. Okay. I think i've just read the word i haven't really spoken it too much so. <laughs> so um yeah that's great so uh, uh let's see i think that's it for me uh would you like to uh add any other news uh i'll be uh let's think here so trapping season's ending soon so i'll be pulling my traps here soon 
boiling them and getting them all nice and black and ready to go for the next time. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the main exciting thing. Maybe some black forging if, uh, if the weather warms up, which I heard it was supposed to do. So that might be a fun thing. All right. So uh, have a good one. You too.